Welcome to Midnight Queso, the Midnight Queso podcast. This I'm Tessa. This is my dad, Lynn. Um, hey. And we're having the conversations that we would always have, or the type of conversations we'd have around midnight eating queso. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I can actually kind of, uh, it actually goes deeper than that. Um, ever since I can almost remember, probably since 11 years old, I would stay up late. And in the, the old days when the you only had two channels, almost always at about 11 or 11.30, they would start an old-time movie. And that's when I became addicted to movies. You have to remember in those days, we couldn't see movies very often. You'd have to rent them for two or $300 from a place if you wanted to see it or watch them on TV. So much to my father's chagrin, I would sneak downstairs and open the refrigerator and get some to eat, often cheese, and uh, watch uh, these great old movies that uh, played late at night. Yeah, there you go. And then um, when I was growing up, often about... 11.30, midnight, you would make a snack. And yep. by snack, let me be clear what that is. It would be usually something like a queso, like tons of sausage, bacon, Velveeta cheese, Velveeta cheese. cream. Oh, you bet, yeah. Or good like a burger. Or a burger with good stuff on it. Right, yeah. or like a huge omelet. So. Or uh, spaghetti with... Uh, Alfredo sauce on it. Yeah, so you instilled really good eating habits in me at a young age. Unfortunately, I still have them. In fact, last night I had nacho cheese. That sounds great. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about um, a movie. This is a movie that I suggested you watch, and we're going to take turns suggesting movies to each other and then talk about them. Okay. So um, the movie I had you watch is Inside Man. Yeah, I hadn't. What did you think? I hadn't heard about it. Uh, it's kind of surprising that I hadn't, but I really liked it. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, as uh, Tessa talked about, is ever since she was probably old enough to walk, we would analyze movies together. Yes. And uh, this is one that I think is a lot deeper than it seems. Um, do you want to tell kind of the preference of the movie? Sure. Yeah, so this is a 2006 Spike Lee movie starring Denzel Washington. Um, there's also Willem Dafoe in it, Chewie Tell Ejiofor. Um, it has Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. It has just so many people. Who's the old guy? Um, Plummer. Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. R.I.P. This year. Yep. Too bad. Um, anyway, it just has tons of people in it. The premise is that there is a heist or really a hostage situation. Yeah, in the beginning, in you don't know that it's a heist. Right. It's a hostage situation. Right. So it's a hostage situation. Oh, well, Clive Owen is also in this movie. He's also one of the stars. Who's Clive Owen? <laughs> He's the the guy that is robbing the bank. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what happened to that guy, honestly. Like, he... Had a great run and then kind of disappeared, but that's a different different podcast. So um, anyway, so it's a great. 
I think it's a great movie. One of the reasons why is because it's a little bit different styly um, than a lot of heist movies. Yeah, surprised it starts out with Bollywood music. Yes. And you're trying to figure out, you know, what the preference is on that. I don't know if you ever do, but it actually starts out with this really amazing, really good Bollywood type music. There's no dancing, but you want to. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's one of the greatest Bollywood songs of all time. Oh, is it? Okay. In my opinion. So so my history with the movie is that Bradley put it on one day, and all of a sudden I hear Chaya Chaya, which is the Bollywood song. And I'm like, what is this? Because I had seen the original Bollywood movie. Um, anyway, so it's a great song. So yeah, it starts out with the Bollywood song. And that's kind of the spike of it all, I think. You know, it's more just like, that's kind of that's kind of what, what Spike does, is he brings in all sorts of different stuff. It's a very, very New York movie. Um, even down to the Bollywood song at the beginning. Like, it's very multicultural, bringing in all sorts of stuff. Well, for me on the movie, just kind of how I kind of took it, you have the the apparently very bad man overtake this bank in a really rough and uh, uh, aggressive way, almost really cruel, it looks like. And they're always masked. People can't tell who they are. But as the movie goes on, you see that there's some type of agenda right. to the movie. And the uh, writers of the movie lets you know just enough about the characters that, as I look back on it, who is the inside man? Who is it? I don't know. Right. You know, the inside man you would think is the robber who robs, who who eventually robs the bank, or does he? Right. You well, know? so the whole, so what happens in the end is, of course, he, um, the person doing the heist, so Clive Owen, he stays in the bank. Like, they build a fake wall, he stays in the bank. Um, and so he's, you know, quite literally the inside man. <laughs> Because he stays in there until the bank opens again and he walks out. Or is uh, the old guy who was plumber, right? Right. Is he the inside man? Because you find out in the movie that during World War II, he worked for the Swiss bank and secretly helped the Nazis obtain extreme wealth uh, from the Jewish population. And he took that wealth and deposited it in the bank in a safety deposit box that doesn't exist. Right. And somehow the inside man or the robber knows about that safety deposit box. And so is the old man actually the inside man who has an inside character and belief? And as the movie goes on, you find out he's really a kind of deplorable guy who was responsible for hundreds of Jews, including his best friend's family and his best friend's death by the Nazis. Yeah, it's it's rough. Uh, well, and the other thing, I mean, that goes off of, like, who is really a good person in this movie? Denzel Washington, who's the um, detective. He 
somehow $120,000 have disappeared from a savings and loan that he did an investigation or something on. And he pleads innocent to that money being gone. But as the movie goes on, you have no idea whether he took it or not. Yeah, you don't know. It's possible that he definitely, like, that he took it. You don't yeah, know. That's yeah. never resolved. Jodie Foster's character, I think, is really interesting. It's also a really interesting character for Jodie Foster. She's also an inside person. Yeah, so, you know, basically the Christopher Plummer character calls her because she fixes problems. I mean, that's kind of what she says. And um, there's a really interesting scene where basically she says, usually people like you don't call me, their people call me. So the fact that you're calling me tells me that you don't want your people to know what's going on. Yeah. (laughs) So tell me what's going on because I know it's big, you know. So anyway, she she's not a good person. She you know helps really wealthy, not good people get away with things. And you know if if you out there are confused by what we're telling you and wondering what's what, uh, that's the movie. Yeah. I mean, Spike Lee does does a way of interviewing. He interviews uh, as the movie is going on. We have scenes of people being interviewed after the bank robbery is over. And you're trying to piece things together. He he takes you down this road of also trying to figure out who the inside man is without really letting you know and having you form your own opinions. And I, it was unusual, but I actually really liked it. Yeah, it's definitely an unusual uh, heist movie as far as that goes. I also think it's interesting because um, he wasn't supposed to direct it. Um, it was supposed to be, um, Opie, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. I always have a hard time with Ron Howard, Howard's name. I don't know why. Um, it was supposed to be Ron Howard. And if Ron Howard does this movie, it is completely different. It's totally different. It wouldn't have been the same approach. It wouldn't have been, I mean, not in the least. Um, you know, I don't know that it would have been good or bad. It just would have been different. Um, but kind of the way, I mean, this movie is very New York. Like he literally got New Yorkers from off the street to be some of the people in it. I love that about it. Yeah. Some of the people that are in, that are interviewed in these things are just regular street people. Yeah. They're just, yeah, they're just New Yorkers. Um, and so anyway, it's a really, it's a really cool heist movie. I think it's different. You also got to uh, had it opened a window of how negotiations are handled, which was really fascinating. Yeah, you know. I mean, we haven't talked about Denzel yet. I mean, he's great in it. He's very good in it. You know, I it's he's typical Denzel, with kind of a an intense twist to him. Well, and this is interesting because this is your first Spike Lee movie, correct? That is. So this is the fourth time that they've worked together. Oh, okay. So, like, he, they did Malcolm X together. Um, so, like, you know, they're very comfortable working with each other. Um, and you're right. It's a little different. You know, Denzel with Spike is a little bit different than normal Denzel. Um, they gave Denzel the opportunity to play the Clive Owen bad guy character. Um, but he didn't get enough FaceTime, I guess. Like, you didn't see him enough. 
And that was part of the thing with Clive Owen, but they decided to give him a few more scenes where you saw him. Oh, at the end, that wasn't planned on initially? No, or like, you know how he talks to the camera? Mm-hmm. So they added that stuff. I thought that, yeah, now looking back at it, it looks like it was added. Yeah. Yeah, kind of as a, yeah. But uh, um, great movie. You great know, movie. I think movies are great when I set the next night. Thinking about it. Or the it. next day and go, huh. Who was the <laughs> did bad I, guy? Did there? I like that or not? Yeah. And then I look at it more and I go, yeah. And you know what? The inside guy wasn't who you think it is. It's that guy that was turned out to be the Nazi who was really, who was really supposedly this great character, but he wasn't. Right. And then you think, no, it was Denzel Washington who was supposedly this great lieutenant, but he had some baggage too, you know? Right. And then the Jodie Foster character, who's this wonderful businesswoman that also has a lot of baggage. It was really fascinating. Well, and it's also like such an interesting heist because, you know, nothing was actually stolen, right? Because the the diamonds and the stuff that was in that safety deposit box never really existed. Well, that's that's what, as I've looked at it, I determined the inside man is actually the uh, Nazi character. What's Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer, because because you're correct. As far as nowadays, nothing was stolen. It was diamonds that were taken by the Nazis that supposedly didn't exist. But for him, he stole them from people and friends that entrusted him to take care of the diamonds and then allowed them to be killed by the Nazis. So right. he, he was the thief. He was the one that had, uh, that had done that. And so, in a way, he is the ultimate ins- inside man. He is he is the one, the evil character of the movie, I think. Well, and I think it's so interesting that it's Christopher Plummer, right? Like, Christopher yeah, Plummer. I, I said, no, Sound of Music guy, you can't do that. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah. who can we get to play an evil? The Baron can't do that. You yeah. Know? An yeah. evil Nazi sympathizer. Let's go with Christopher Plummer. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I thought, I mean, I, it's a great movie. It spikes probably most, like, popcorn movie. It's definitely one that made the most money. So um, was it very successful? Yeah, I mean, as far as a spike, uh, as far as a spike film goes it was definitely the most like box office how did i miss this one when it came out i don't know well well one thing we can talk about is that you were going to a lot of rated r movies in the theater that's right that's right so you know but as far as rated r movies it isn't too bad no there's language in it there is yeah yeah so i mean we can talk about that too when i was growing up I would end up screening movies for you and mom. Yeah, you would say, mom and dad, you don't want to go to that one. Yeah, too much language. <laughs> it's, okay. Too much sexual content in that one. Yeah, this was our 13-year-old daughter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I wouldn't have seen it quite yet. I was, I would have been 16, so I probably wasn't going in the theater. Yeah. Well, it was a good movie. Good I movie. appreciate you uh, telling me about it. It was, it was fun to watch. It was... Again, it was uh, one of my midnight uh, queso movies, and yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I also wanted to uh, take this opportunity to explain how we used to select our movies growing up. 
Oh, okay. So, uh, I don't know if you remember, we had lots of DVDs. Yep. Either DVDs or VHSs early, yeah. but it was, I think, it later DVDs. DVDs. Yeah. And so what would happen is, depending on who was over, you, me, and mom, or if I had friends over, um, everyone would get to select a move, movies to put in the pot. Or you'd put more in. It didn't matter. Yeah. If anybody had two or three that they liked or something, they would go into a pot. So we would have about 20. Usually, or 12 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then every person in the room got to remove a movie. That they didn't want to watch. Yeah. So, like, you always would put Jeremiah Johnson or Dances with Wolves in. I put Jeremiah Johnson in every time, and we never watched it. We never watched it, not once. (laughs) And I always put it in. (laughs) Yeah, you did. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else always kind of made it in. I think, like, Evita made it in a lot. (laughs) Yeah, there were movies that you guys did. Probably Sense and Sensibility was always in there. Yeah, Sense and Sensibility. But we'd always, so we'd take turns removing and if there were visitors like Tessa's friends or that over, they would they would also so you would remove the movie a movie that you didn't want want right, and then you kept going until you ended up with a movie that everyone kind of selected. Everyone kind of selected, and it's possible it would be a movie that nobody really really wanted. Well, but, that was most of the time, right? You didn't really, really want it, but you didn't hate it. But it actually it actually worked, and usually we didn't repeat a lot of movies with no. that. Well, most of the time, if, if someone had seen it recently, they'd remove it by the time we got yeah, there. Yeah. That, that tur- I don't know how we came up with that. I don't that was know. A good, I think I'd usually make the pile, um, yeah. you know, make put a whole bunch in and then go from there. Yeah. And that would be harder in the days of streaming. Yeah, now I, I don't know how you do it in the streaming days. Yeah, I don't know. know. So it's hard to. Choose you can make a list and do the same thing. Scratch off the list. Yeah. yeah. There's so much. There's this like a sheer, so large of a quantity now. Yeah, it's it's always difficult, you know, yeah. for me to figure out which one I want to watch. There's too many. Yeah. You know. So what? So this is your chance to select a movie for me. Okay. I believe you wanted to select a western. Yeah, I, I, um, I have several really good westerns that I like, and probably the the uh, top three are probably Unforgiven, which Tessa has seen a long time ago, um, High Noon, which is a uh, Gary Cooper, he got his Academy Award for that when he was older, and it's it's just a really good movie. And The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. He shot Liberty Valance. I've heard the song many yeah. times. I've never uh, seen the movie, a, though. It's uh, a James Stewart movie. Um, those, it's kind of surprised. The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance also has John Wayne in it. And Jimmy Stewart. And Jimmy Stewart, yeah. And... Uh, those uh, three movies uh, are are ones that everybody ought to see. I think we're. I told Tessa she could kind of choose from Man Who Shot Liberty Valance or uh, High Noon. Um, those two movies are both in black and white. They were kind of in the uh, mid, uh, done in the mid or late fifties, right at the end of black and white. And they're much better in black and white if they are one of the colored ones that are colored in. Don't watch it that way, particularly high noon. It needs to be watched in black and white. 
um, just kind of the feeling and the way it was shot was shot for that type of effect. Sure. Uh, Tessa kind of is humming Han. She isn't picking one. So I kind of said uh, High Noon is one that she really needs to see. Westerns are tough for me, you know. Yeah, why are Westerns so tough? They're like the backbone of America. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> they're, definitely the back, they're definitely the backbone of Hollywood. In an age, it kind of kept yeah. Hollywood going. While, and they've kind of they've kind of disappeared, you know. Yeah, they they really have. Uh, that's why, to me, Unforgiven is such an amazing movie because it takes in the new odd sense of a perfect western done fairly modern in what nineteen ninety two. Yeah, like Unforgiven. That. Unforgiven, yeah. yeah. Um, and really, really uh, was surprisingly uh, Academy Award. Well, and maybe I can rewatch that too. We can kind of talk about talk about both of them, and you could contrast uh, actually what makes uh, High Noon and uh, Unforgiven really good is uh, similar conflicts of conscience and uh, in what is good and bad, and what is in the general Western that you think about. There's there's good and there's bad and good fights against bad and, um, and good wins. And you have a hero and everybody runs off into the sunset with their six gun and six shooter. Um, in these two movies, um, and we don't have to talk about it now, but in these two movies, what is good and what is bad and what is right and what is wrong. Right. It's a little bit more of like the anti-hero. Yeah. What's the obligation of the individual to himself and his family and to the world around him? Um, both involve uh, sheriffs and bad guys and, and uh, they're just really well done movies. Sounds good. So I'll watch High Noon and, and Unforgiven. We'll get them both in there. We can talk about those next time. Have you ever seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yes, I have, and it's the weirdest movie. <laughs> you know, when I started seeing that Once Upon a Time on Hollywood was ranked as one of the top three or four best Western, I said, somebody has been get, hitting the The new, gym. The new one? The new Tarantino movie? No. I, no, I thought you were talking... Oh, I, I'm confused. Because I thought you were talking about Once a Time in the West. No, no. Oh, no, I haven't seen Once a Time in Hollywood. Okay, that might be an interesting one after yeah. these westerns. Yeah, because Once a Time in the Once a, Once Upon a Time in the West. That's why I got confused. Because I've been looking at all these western titles. It's a James Brownson movie that right. uh, is rated as one of the best, and it's horrible. Well, you know, you can't trust lists. No, I think Once a Time in Hollywood. I'd be willing to watch that. I. I That'd kinda, be, that I would be. I kind of like Sharon. I'm I'm a Valley of the Dolls guy and Sharon Tate. Okay. You know, so that would be really interesting if we record your first uh, Spike Lee movie and your first Tarantino movie. <laughs> yeah, I actually have seen a Tarantino. Okay. I, I watched the, the. Oh yeah, you watched. Uh, uh, un- Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I thought that was the craziest movie I'd ever seen. <laughs> well, this is this is. Also crazy, so yeah, that would yeah, be a good one. Yeah. All right, well, that's great. This is the Midnight Queso podcast with Tessa and my dad, Lynn. Okay, see you around. <laughs>